Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who, well, I wanted the best co-host and I got it. His girlfriend will tell you he's the hottest co-host in the land and, well, he's a man who's always working hard and he's worth a deuce. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben Hamid. All right, for this episode, we have a special guest. He's a member of the band Seether. Their most recent record is, am I pronouncing this correct? It's Vicennial. Did, did I say that right? Vicennial? Vicennial. All right, two, two, two decades of Seether. Please welcome to the podcast the drummer and the man behind the kit for Seether, John Humphrey. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is going to be a blast. Um, we were talking offline that um, when when you all were pitched to us, um, I, I was super excited because Wayne keeps giving me grief about how we don't have enough rockers on the podcast. And, and, and we like our rockers, but we, we've really been in this Americana lane for a while, and so we're, we're super excited to do something a little different tonight. And um, okay. so, yeah, Wayne is giddy. Uh, He's ready to I, go. I can, can only do so many Bob Dylan, Jackson Brown records before you, you need to do something. Yeah, and we've got another Some Jack- power chords. I know, and we've got another Jackson Brown episode coming up in a couple <laughs> weeks, too. So, yeah, this is going to be good. All right, um... Premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all-important question. I'm going to start with you, Wayne. So what T-shirt are you wearing? Uh, you know what? I'm that guy. I bought a special T-shirt. I have the Kiss Alive album cover Very nice. T-shirt. Very nice. All right, John, how about you? What T-shirt are you wearing? Very first Kiss concert nice. I went to, 1983, okay. on the back and there's an army tank, 73 to 83, because at the time of that tour, it was their 10-year anniversary. Yeah. So um, I wore that shirt out, unfortunately, and it probably wouldn't fit over my arm. I was about that big when I was <laughs> uh, 12 years old. So luckily, they made exact replica of it, and I'll, it's very cool to have it again. Yeah, awesome. Nice. And that was right before they like unmasked themselves, right? That's right. The next album, they took yeah. the makeup off. Yeah. Which and that was what was that? Lick it up. That was lick, lick it, it up. up. Yeah, lick, you got lick it. Lick it up. Okay. See, I I do know a few kiss facts. I know a few. But I'm, <laughs> I, like I said, I'm 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 expecting Wayne to carry this episode. All right. Um, I don't have a kiss. I don't have a kiss, a t-shirt. But I'm wearing my uh, Iron Maiden t-shirt. That's nice. about as close as I'm gonna get to to kiss. So here we go. All right. Well, let let me ask you this. We'll 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 ask a couple questions about Seether, and I know we've got sixteen songs to talk about on on the 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 record that you chose. So, um, won't spend too much time talking about your bands. But when you joined Seether in two thousand three, it was two thousand three, correct? That you joined, right? Yes. Did did you think that nearly two decades later that you guys would be at the stature that you're at, where you have a greatest hits package? And let's be honest, I've been listening to it all week. It's all killer. It's no filler. Like, oh, all of the songs have, like, millions and upon millions of listens on Spotify, many of which were, like, number yeah. one songs on the hard rock charts. I mean, did did you guys ever go, yeah, we're going to get to that status in, like, two decades? 
No, I, I really want to say it, it went by fast, and it, it, it's really you're turning around and going, "Wow, it's been 20 years, really." You know, it's just it's it's gone by quickly on one hand. And I always say it, man. It's it's very true. I'm very blessed and grateful to be able to do this, to to have been in a band that's done as well as we have for for 20 years, to be able to play music for a living, to tour, finally back to touring again this year. After after the shutdown, so um, yeah, yeah I, I I don't take it for granted. I try not to because it's it's a very awesome thing. Before Seether, so I did a little research on you. So you were <laughs> part of the Nixons. Yeah, yeah. I and I feel like I saw you live back in the day. Did the Nixons opened for Soul Asylum on a tour? Correct. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And the middle band, actually, we were first. The middle band was Radiohead on that tour. If it's the tour you're thinking of, yeah, it was a that was cool. And I don't think Radiohead played, so it would have been uh, Salt Lake City. I think I don't think they played in Salt Lake City. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was. But I'm. Yeah, very cool tour. That was a while ago. Yeah, and they <laughs> we were. I, I was just talking. Um, to the singer from the Nixons um, a little while back and just kind of reminiscing about that and how fun that tour was. And they had us all get up with them and play at the end of the night. And we were pretty excited, like, oh, maybe we'll get to play Jam a Soul Asylum song with them. I got on the drums and everything. They wanted to play, and we played Rhinestone Cowboy, Glenn Campbell. That's right. <laughs> That's why we rocked out. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah, because uh, Sister was a big hit back in, what was that? Was that 95? Yeah, 95, 96. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it did very well, and it, and it, and I and I know that 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 um, Baton Rouge also got some 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 airplay a couple of years later. What um, and then I didn't hear from you guys again. Was it kind of the the late '90s blowback of rock bands that it was just because I feel like at that time it was boy bands, it was Lilith Fair, yeah, and you didn't really hear rock bands on the radio anymore. Right. Things were sort of changing. And, and it was just kind of a classic story. The band, uh, all of us, and I still live in Oklahoma, originally from Oklahoma. We were signed to MCA. Right. We're on MCA, which was not really known for the rock bands, the label. Uh, we, we had a lot right. of support in the beginning, and then that sort of changed for the second album, which had Baton Rouge, which you're talking about. And, uh, yeah, it's sort of a classic. So a new regime, the company was sold. A new regime was brought in. Uh, the band was dropped, you know, from the label, and so you know, just one of those stories, just the trials and tribulations of being an assigned rock and roll band, and and we, you know, went our separate ways in about 2000, and um, it was a connection from the old Nixon days that landed, you know, that I ended up connecting with Seether. That's awesome. Because I hear a lot of Seether in Baton Rouge, believe it or not, <laughs> and I know that it's not just the drumming. Yeah. Because that's you know that's the equation, but I I hear a lot of Seether in that song. Yeah, musically, I mean, I'm still doing the same thing I always did. It, it isn't a big change stylistically, yeah. and I, I feel like both bands there's like there are commonalities at times. Seether's obviously overall heavier, but um, but Baton Rouge that was a heavier song for for the Nixon. So yeah, yeah, I totally I under I would agree. So so you mentioned the the hookup. So Seether had already put out what one album? Yeah, disclaimer. When you joined up. Yeah. Okay. And uh, they were about a year, a little over a year into that tour, and uh, had gone through already two or three drummers, hired gun kind of guys that had just from L.A. 
a lot of ego. It just wasn't working. When you're in a band, of course you have to have talent and ability, and you got to be able to you know play the music and do your gig. But a big part of it is you're living together. You know, you're in a little bitty space, living space on a tube, traveling down the highway. And uh, yeah. you get on each other's nerves normally anyway, but, you know, ego or attitude and it just uh, it just won't work. And so they just couldn't find the right fit, both musically and personally. And uh, someone suggested me. I auditioned and, yeah, that was at the end of 2003. Were you thinking because they had that revolving door that maybe I'll be part of that revolving door? I mean, again... You've been with the band for what, 18, 19 years yeah, now? Yeah, 18 so, years. Yeah, it's That's awesome. Yeah, obviously at first I was kind of like, well, I I don't know, hopefully this will work out, but you know, the Nixons, I had gained a lot of experience from that, man. I had, you know, been yeah. through through it all and so I think that helped. I understood that, you know, obviously the, tra- the traveling and, you know, how how the work that we were going to put in. Uh, the Nixons were the same way, you know, on the road, living out of our suitcases, playing music every night, trying to build a following, you know, yeah. one show at a time. And if you get radio success along the way, that's awesome. But um we're we're both the bands were very much live bands, live entities, and we wanted to build, you know, a, a fan base, you know, and that took a lot of touring. Yeah. At what point did they include you in some of the, the, the songwriting? Because I know you've got songwriting credits for Fake It, yeah. which is one of your one of your guys' biggest songs. Like, what's what's the process now for, for writing and how they get you involved in that? Yeah, it happens in some different ways. Um, you know, we would jam. Uh, in the early days and, and kind of work together on ideas and um, somebody would bring in something and we would change. Yeah. And uh, now uh, Sean will, will put together songs and send idea studios remotely or even really electronically right. send demos. We'd have to literally get together. So now we can send stuff around. So Sean will put together a song, put together an idea. He'll kind of put drum machine parts kind of on it so I'll know rhythmically kind of what he wants to do and then kind of send it around to all of us to kind of listen and learn, you know, when we get together. But I still, I, I'm me and I play the way I play and I, I, I will change things here and there, little parts or just humanize it, you know, from being, uh, but he, he's, you know, Sean's great, the whole band's great to work with and they kind of let me just do my thing and and it's worked so far, so... One 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 question that I've got. This is kind of an off the wall question, but um, when I'm listening to songs like country song, where you've got like this really long intro, do you like playing those live because you're like, this gives me a chance to catch my breath a little bit before, <laughs> before I got to launch into this? Well, I never thought of that. I mean, I, I guess the cool thing is the dynamics because that intro goes for a while and you know the chorus is coming yeah. and that the crowd, they know it. They're ready for it, you know, and that's that builds into, you know, anticipation with me too. So, yeah, I guess it's it's kind of a, it is a moment to catch my breath because the music we do, it is it is physical, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you know you're you're probably well you're you're around me and Wayne's age and we're no spring chickens anymore. So That's right. I'm, <laughs> I I I can't imagine, you know, playing for 90 minutes, 2 hours and just, you know, I'm sure you got to be exhausted after a while. while <laughs> oh yeah, I sleep really good on the bus. I bet. Just, I bet. Let's put it that way, you know, yeah. before and I would be party until 3 a.m. and and uh, I'm usually in my bunk 
you know, by midnight, 1 a.m. these days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's a late night. Right. Wayne, you got a favorite Seether song? Ah, uh, I would, it's probably Fake It. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I, and this, this probably tells you everything you need to know about my listening um, pleasures. Uh, mine would probably have to be Rise Above It, above this, because oh, nice. it's, it's not one of your heavier songs, but I, I love the message. I know Sean wrote that for, for his brother, and yeah. probably, probably a deeply personal song, and that, that came out during pretty deeply personal time for me, so... That got a lot of yeah. that got a lot of play on the old iPod back in the day. So, love it. Yeah, thank you. That's I think that's a great song. I mean, Sean is. I know I work with the guys, but he's incredibly talented, and and that's the cool thing. Yes, at times Seether can be heavy, but he has a knack for great melodies, great lyrics. Uh, you know, there's something there lyrically for the listener to, you know, to grab onto. And I think melodically, he does a great job of marrying that to the heavier things at times you know there's still you know a very singable thing about about yeah. seether and and that's that's what i like i mean i'm also a fan of the band before i even got into the band i loved fine again i thought that was a great song yeah. and and uh, yeah yeah, yeah. The one thing that I've that I've come to realize after listening this week is um, he th- he throws it out there like there's there's a lot of personal messages in his lyrics, and I think yeah. that that's there's a connection there with the audience because you know who hasn't gone through crap as described in Rise Above This where you've lost right. you've lost a loved one and it's right. it's painful. And it's probably yeah, and it's probably still painful for for Sean to sing that. So one of these days, yeah. I'll, get, I'll get out there to see you guys live because uh, I've uh, this this week I've I've really become a big fan of you guys, even though well, I'm not you. even yeah. though I'm not the rocker that Wayne is. So so anyway, hey man, you got the Maiden shirt. I think you're I ready to I go. Got, yeah, I got the Maiden. I, I bought he that bought for it him for just, me, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> just and and just to give a little cred, okay? I did see Iron Maiden live during the Power Slave tour back in what oh, was that eighty five? Well, there you go. So yeah. I I do have a little cred, even though that's not my my listening taste these days. That's that's amazing. Very cool. And can I ask? Did Vinnie Vincent open? that show do you remember it was actually twisted sister okay yeah. okay because Vinny did part of that tour 
and uh, Vinnie Vincent Invasion with the Kiss tie-in. He was yeah. in Kiss, like mm. you were speaking about Lick, Lick It Up, and he left or was kicked out of the band or whatever, right. and formed his own band. And the Invasion was on and open. Yeah, was mm. on that tour for a while. I think he did the East Coast dates, and I saw them in Seattle. So I think Twisted Sister okay. ended up doing the, the the West Coast dates, but I I could nice. Be wrong. Yeah. All right. Well, John, tell us what record you chose to revisit for your episode. Kiss Alive. Kiss Alive. All right. Yeah, one of my first rock albums I ever had, um, and uh, my first Kiss album. Okay. Were there any other records that you thought about, or was this the one where you're like, "Nope, this is, this is, this is the foundation here for me." Uh, there was no uh, method really to the madness, so I was excited. My aunt was, and I remember this like yesterday. I was in grade school. I would have been in fourth grade, and my aunt was going to pick me up at the end of the school day and take me to the record store to pick out a, any record that I wanted. And me and my little brother had discussed it. We knew it was going to be a Kiss album. This would have been, I'm aging myself, this would have been 79. So Donesty was the new album at the time. So they had a few albums out. And I was digging through the bins uh, and went right to Kiss. And was I remember Destroyer and, and the first album and just looking out, which one am I going to get? What? Wow, this one looks really cool. What a great photo on the front. They're all there. Stages exploding, fire pause, there's the logo, yeah. flip it over on the back, and there's that huge crowd uh, shot, you know, from from the point of view of the fan where they're sitting in the crowd there at Cobo Hall. And I'm like, this is cool. So I got Kiss Alive. My little brother got Kiss Alive, too. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Wayne. I think you've got a similar similar story, right? Well, and, and my cool aunt gave, gave me this record. Um this, like I've said before, this I, this was like having a week off because there is no other band I have more familiarity with. This is the first band that I liked that wasn't something that my parents had listened to, and I just you know was Stockholm syndrome. This was me, yeah. uh, and I I I talked my mom into joining the Columbia Records and Tapes Club, <laughs> and got the the date the self-titled debut did you give her the penny uh, the, to, to to tape on you had your... to actually cut the rip the stamps out and stick them on okay, there yeah. uh <laughs> yeah it. so i got that was a great way to start building a collection uh, that was those things were alive awesome. wasn't in that i was actually given the record to that i got but i that that tape that record club got me the first record and uh the great their first greatest hits record double platinum yeah um, I ended up with Destroyer, uh, and I also had, and then I had actually saved my lawn mowing money, and Ben will know where this place is. It used to be on 56 and Pacific in Tacoma, Peaches Records and Tapes. Oh, yeah. I saved my I saved my lawn mower money, and walked down there and bought Rock and Roll Over and Dress to Kill on vinyl, red vinyl. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> I wish I had them to at this day, but yeah, um, yeah I had. Now? What's yeah. the red vinyl worth these days? Yeah, uh, yeah, over a hundred dollars. Yeah, they yeah are, those are actually from the UK. Yeah, yeah, the red vinyl. That those were imports. Very cool. This was very early on. This was you know, and like I say, I never got to see them live. Uh, the closest I got was when they came in '79 to the Kingdom. My mom said she'd get me a ticket, but I had somebody had to go with me. She wasn't going to go with me. And my best friend, his little brothers were huge Kiss fans, and his whole family was actually going, but they weren't coming home. They were continuing on north of Seattle to a 
because it was Thanksgiving weekend, I believe, was when they came to Seattle that week. So wow. I, I, and then what's funny is just probably five or six years later, a guy that works for me was making an emergency delivery to the to Key Arena, and he calls me up and says, "Hey, I got two free tickets to Kiss." The guy I made this delivery of CO two, and the guy gave me two tickets, and I was like. If you'd asked me 30 years ago, I probably I first I would have fainted <laughs> when I came to. I would I would I would have ran. Yeah. So uh, but at that point I was like now I'm an old man and I'm like I don't want to drive all the way to Seattle no. and then it's a oh. crowd and no, I it was it wasn't it it was something from my youth. <laughs> and like I say now I considered to go I considered to enter the road cuz I but I have a I do have a I have a a rule against going to someone's second farewell tour. Yeah, uh, Ozzy tricked me once. Right. Uh, at Molly Crew, I I went to that one, and they they had another yeah, one. Yeah, they've had like six. Um, so cents, this one, right? I said, you know what? For a hundred dollars, it's during the weekday, and this is their second farewell tour. I'm I'm gonna I just gotta let it go. Nah, fair enough. So so bio info on this. Somebody t- explain to me how Johnny Carson factors into the Kiss story. I believe that uh, that was so Casablanca Records put out some big Johnny Carson, uh, a record where they sunk a bunch of money into yeah. it. And it was a bunch of bits from Johnny Carson records. And it almost bankrupted the record yeah. company because no one bought it. Right. It almost busted them because it was audio bits, yeah. obviously, being a record. And Johnny was a TV star. So it just didn't really translate. And he wasn't really willing to promote it very much. Uh, or if at all. So, yeah, it was a big bust for them. They were So KISS was trying to get out of their contract. This essentially was the album that they made to try and get out of the contract, and that kind of backfired on them, right? Right. They had To a, they, to a degree, because, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, they had three studio albums at, up to that point, and they hadn't done anything. And uh, so, yeah, like you said, this was the the last sort of Hail Mary for, and, and to get out of the deal with the label. And then it became a success. So then they stuck around, right? <laughs> and then they stuck around. It accomplished exactly what they were trying to do, which hardly ever happens in right. rock and roll. They wanted to, tra- you know, they these these are all songs from those first three records. Right. And they, it, but it wasn't capturing. You have it's the whole show. I mean, that's one of the things about this band is, like I say, I I I do have a. This is a formative band for me. But the songs, one of the things that I when I said I took a week off is because I like to get into lyrics. There is no subtext in Kiss songs. No, no. You just yeah. No. So it's tra- It's the whole show. It's everything. It's the blood spitting yeah. and the fire breathing yeah. and the drum riser uh and every it's the whole it's the makeup and the costumes it's you have to be able to to capture all of that and i think they had they they were able to do it right yeah and and just based off of listening to this because i i had heard stories that you know kiss was very similar to van halen where in the early days they upstaged the 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 headliner oh yeah i I think that that what I had read, Kiss had been kicked off the Black Sabbath tour, yep. which a few years later, Black Sabbath also kicked Van Halen off off of a tour because they were getting upstaged. Right. Um, they Kiss upstaged Argent, which Wayne we we talked to about Argent last week on our Zombies episode. 
it was the whole spectacle. And yeah. and I hear this and I hear how good of a live band they are. Yes, I know that you get that there there are going to be some listeners who are like, yeah, but it's not completely live because it was taken over, you know, five dates and there were some overdubs and yeah. I don't care. Like, I don't either. Yeah, because if the, what you're trying to do is you're trying to capture the live show, they, right. nobody was there. And so whatever it takes, I can say they they denied it for years, but at the end of the day, nothing. I mean, and uh, trying to record a live show in 1975, yeah. how, I mean, technology already made that difficult as it was. Um, I don't. I think they did a, a seamless. Whoever was in charge of it yeah. did a great yeah, job. Yeah, Eddie Kramer and he captured that that feeling. Yeah. yeah, Eddie Kramer was the producer who had worked with Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, and right. he, he still oversees uh, Jimi Hendrix's catalog. And yeah, so world famous producer. Yeah, technology wasn't there, so they had to have a mobile truck come out and wire you know all the cables and mics and set everything up for these shows. And in to fix a bad note, so you didn't have to hear bad notes. Uh, I totally agree with that. Being a musician myself now and having done this, who wants to hear bad notes? They were trying to capture a feel, an essence, like you're talking about, yeah. uh, and and put you in the crowd and make you feel like you're listening to the concert. And that they accomplished. And if they fix the bad yeah. notes, I think that's fine. I mean, we're talking 1975. I mean. I've listened to a bunch of live stream events in 2021 and technology is still not a hundred percent. You're still going to hear the bad notes. You're still going to get buffering and all the other crap that goes along right. with, you know, streaming stuff over the, the interwebs. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Wayne, we talk about the Rolling Stone top 500 albums of all time. This is on it. Number three hundred five on the twenty twenty list, and I think it was higher Ooh. in the in the earlier list, but I didn't I didn't check uh, position on that. Nice. Do you know what year they did that latest list? Was that fairly recent? La- yeah, last year, last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's three hundred five on the on this year's. Like I said, I I was going to do the research on the twenty twelve list, and um, I just ran out of time. I was too busy listening to see their songs. So. <laughs> um all right well let's let's dive into it because we've got we've got a lot of songs to talk about so um as a reminder our scoring is based off a number of songs on the record wayne how many songs on alive 16 all right so that means our top song is going to get 16 points next favorite song 15 on down to the lowest score of one john did you did you hear wayne's glee because the last time the last time we did a record that was this many songs, he was pretty pissed off at me. Oh yeah, but yet he's very happy to yeah. do this. Well, we had to do Tusk. Song. That was nineteen songs. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> They're not all solid yeah. like this. This is almost like no. a greatest hits of a ba- like I say to me. This was this was nineteen. I didn't probably get it until seventy seven. Um, so an eight year old Wayne was. This is this is I can say this is Bible stuff. This is scripture to me. All right, well let's kick this off. Here is the first track. This is Deuce.
this is originally found on their self-titled album from early 1974. Um, I will highly recommend to our listeners to not go to songmeetings.com to find out what people <laughs> think that the deuce really means. <laughs> Because it's 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 not it's not good. Uh, Wayne, what, get us started on this one. A week ago, if you'd have asked me, you know, to, if I knew the lyrics to "Deuce" by Kiss, I would have I would have said yeah. And then I heard, then I read them, and I literally thought your associate producer got punked, and these were some sort of gag lyrics. And I'm like, then I listened to it with the lyrics, and I'm like, oh my god, I've been. I've been singing this song for years whenever it came on, and I, I had no idea that there's a reference to his grandma, old Jim. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I have it like by the time I was done, I was like, it's like one of those things where uh, songwriters will talk about they use placeholders. Like, I don't know what I'm going to call this song, so I'm right. just going to placeholder this. He placeholdered this whole thing and never went <laughs> I think back. So. And I never agree. went back and changed I mean, it. I mean, get up and get your grandma out of here. I mean, <laughs> I have no idea. I, had, I love this song. I will say this is my favorite Kiss song. Not only the favorite song of this album, it's my favorite Kiss song. And yeah, yeah, the lyrics are yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's a, centimeter, a centimeter deep. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, they know how to write a chorus. There's no, I mean, that's the yeah. To me, yeah. uh, I I guess the because I love this song too, and so the the score got sunk by finding out that there's these nonsensical lyrics in it that. Uh, yeah, but man, they write a they know how to write a chorus, and I and I once again, Gene Simmons says it it doesn't mean anything. He has no idea right. something. He's like some songs mean stuff, some songs don't, and I don't know if the deuce is the actual deuce. Like I'm worth a deuce, but yeah. they know how to write a chorus, and and like I say, they're not reinventing the wheel. It's heavy guitars and a big giant chorus. Yeah, and I don't think they have a song that the title is not. The title of the song is not the chorus. Right, right. Right. Yeah, and when we score songs on this podcast, um, Wayne, we we always say that dropping a deuce is not a good thing. Um, (laughs) But but it seems like the deuce in this song is a good thing. So I don't, so I don't, yeah, I don't know what it's really about. And I'm just, we'll leave it ambiguous. I think that, I think I want to keep it ambiguous. Absolutely, yeah. I think. That's, like I say, it's I a cool a word. Plan. Yeah, deuce is is a is an interesting word, and like I say, I just feel like he he's got a melody in his mind, and he's and he's going through, and he's just like, I don't know, he, yeah. I'm going to put all these placeholders here, and then at the end, he was like, I gotta, I don't got time to go back. I'm just moving on to the next yeah. song because Gene right. Simmons. I did one of the things I did notice through this that I never really thought about is Paul Stanley is clearly the stronger songwriter of the whole group and definitely the guy who's more concerned with the sound and the band. Gene Simmons yeah. has much has become very a, a lot more about the business of Kiss where Paul Stanley whenever I I read anything or see him he's always talking about the music and the band and rock and roll. Yeah. And so right. I think some in some ways that I started to see that listening to this record a little bit yeah. deeper. Yeah, I will say to give Gene props, he's a, a, a great bass player. He's a f- oh. fantastic bass player, and to sing and play like he does—that's that's not an easy feat. And, and um, his voice is still great. I, I know you didn't see this most recent tour, but his voice is still on. It's great. All right, scores. This is my fourteen. Wayne, 
Eight. All right. And John, you already mentioned, but but say yeah. it again. Sixteen. Sixteen. All right. Next song is Strutter. And um, also originally found on their self-titled. The one thing that I will say, Wayne, typically on my notes, I have a lot of highlighted lyrics. <laughs> I, I don't for this. I don't for this episode. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you. It it they are what they are. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't argue with their their success. Like I say, I was reading an article from Rolling Stone when they discussed uh, 40th anniversary of Destroyer, and they kind of went through it song by song, and they talked to Bob Ezrin and and Paul, everybody in the band. And uh, so Paul Stanley described most Kiss songs, this was his words, as fuck me, suck me songs. And I'd never, I, I'd like, you know what? He nailed it. That's uh, prior to that, and even then post-Destroyer, all the songs are somehow about sex to some degree. But Paul Stanley sure. is clearly the romantic of the group because even in this song, there's a little lovable loser. Like the girl has the control in this song. But I've loved this song for almost for over 40 years. That drum intro, I recognize it instantly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like I say, this time, because G- Gene Simmons, especially early, his songs are simpler and cruder and and... And Paul Stanley was the guy who there's uh, there's several of these songs where there's a little bit of swagger to it, but yeah. there's also there he's it, and it'll he can crank it up when he has to. But in this one, he's the you know she's she's in control in this situation. He's you know you end up walking beside her, and next thing you know, you're walking behind her. Yeah, John, what do you got on Strutter? Yeah, it's the same thing. In fact, that's the exact note I have here, Paul. This, there's a swagger to it, and. Uh, Bit lyrically, I just feel uh, the ladies of the street, uh, lady, you know, lady of the night. I don't know. It's like a New York City thing. Uh, I, I feel like you know they're a New York City band, and if I, you know, and as a kid, I had never been to New York City before, and I'm still awestruck when I go to that city. It's just like landing on a movie set. So something about the New York City tie-in, ladies of the night in that era. But yeah, there's a swagger to it. Um, yeah, I love this song and the intro. You got to, you know, the great drum intro, the blickem blickem drum intro. When we talk about how you learn how to play drums, is this one of those records that you put on and you're like, I'm going to try and drum along to all of the songs? Oh, yeah. I know every lick to this day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was the foundation of as a kid musically. This is where a lot of nostalgia tied up in this, certainly for me. And, uh, but, yeah. um, Probably more so than anything, but uh, yeah, Drumlick. Uh, yeah, I know all of them. I know. Right. I love. All right. Them. Yeah. So, so Paul and Gene, if you need a replacement on the spot, <laughs> John is your man. He is your man. All right. Uh, scores, Wayne. What you got? Uh, Thirteen. Okay, John, your score. Nice. This is sort of mid range for me, so I, it's eight for okay. me. And this is my nine. All right, next song, Gotta Choose.
I wasn't sure if this was going to be my top song, but um, the more I listen to it today, I'm like, nope, this is my top song. Uh, <laughs> nice. Prob- probably nice. because it's the most melodic of the yeah. songs, I think, on, on the record. So that, again, my, my, my lack of rock credence, Wayne is probably showing here with me calling this my favorite song on the record. But um, it's just catchy as as heck and i just um i just uh, i continued to come back to the song today i was not super familiar with early kiss i was not familiar with alive uh in fact um i just my very first kiss record that i've ever owned came in a collection that i bought about three months ago and this and alive 2 were included in that collection wow yeah nice so there you go. So I so I do have some Kiss in my collection now, Wayne. Oh, good. Well, those are two. And, those, and, those are two great ones to have. Yeah, t- yeah, two great ones to have. Yeah. All right. So I already laid down the gauntlet. This is my top, Wayne. What? Where does this stack up for you? Uh, and it's it's high for me. I like. I once again, it's a Paul Stanley song, and there's that yeah. that vulnerability. Like this girl is is cheating on him but he's he and there's a line in where where, like i get that like sometimes well sometimes i know you need to change a pace so i'm completely understanding you got to make a choice is i'm not gonna i'm not gonna compete but i i'm not super upset about it but i think what they do because somehow gene and and paul's voices work so they're so different but they work so well together and the first few words of each line, they're both there and it gives it a different, like this different power to it. But they, they clearly build things around a riff. Um, And this, this is another great one. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that if I read correctly, most of these songs, it is the music first and lyrics second. Yeah. Rarely is it lyrics first and then music. So right. yeah, I, to- I totally get that. Um, where you you build these killer hooks first, and then you just throw in whatever nonsensical lyrics. It's <laughs> funny. In my notes, I wrote, yeah. uh, "Paul has more depth in his lyrics than Gene. Not that he has a lot of depth in his lyrics, but right. he has more than Gene." Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's interesting you talk about you know how melodic this song is. And in the 90s, they did, when MTV Unplugged was real popular, they did MTV Unplugged. They did this song, featured it sort of in the middle of the show, which worked great. It showed a lot of their music translated very well to acoustic. And there's harmonies in there and and some great parts. And this song translated very well, and Unplugged sort of proved that. So, yeah, it's one of my favorites for sure. Great. Now i got to go check that out. Thanks, John. All (laughs) Um, All right. So I already met, mentioned this is my 16. Wayne, your score? 11. All right. And John? It's up there for me, 14. All right. Excellent. All right. Next song, Hotter Than Hell. You 
need uh, any kind of hint of what album it came off of. <laughs> there you go. It's there yeah, you it's go. Off, it's awful hotter yeah. than hell. Um, so so before we started recording, you you flip flopped a couple numbers, John. This was I one did. that got flip flopped. How come this? I uh, did. This ended up getting lower points for you. Uh, I, I think I've kind of focused a bit on the lyrics, which I've heard for years, but um, uh, the well done line, <laughs> I just couldn't, I couldn't get past it. Uh, yeah, I, I obviously overlooked some things, you know. Yeah, you know she's going to leave you well done, hot, hot, hot. She's going to leave you well done. Yeah, okay. I think my favorite part is, though, that the that her showing the wedding band yeah. deals off. Paul Stanley's not that kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. He didn't see it up until now. Right. But now that you pointed out. I also, the thing that cracked me up again is he mentioned satin for a second time. So clearly. But when you start to think about it, like, that's what, I mean, Saturday Night Fever, uh, Grease, Olivia Newton-John at the end in her satin pants. So yeah. he's, he's on to something. Um, I think there's a little more lead in this, but once again, they really, they know how to make a big chorus. They really right. know how to get the crowd singing. Yeah. And there's a little more, those last two songs, like I said, there was that that kind of lovable loser vulnerability, and now he's starting to get a little, little more swagger, a little more bravado in his songs, and he's really going to crank it up as this album goes along. All right. Yeah. All right. This is my 10. John, what did you end up uh, scoring this? Yeah, so this this dropped down, so three. Okay. And then Wayne? Uh, nine. All right. Next song is Firehouse. Also off of the self-titled album from '74, uh, I got to say, I'm always looking for just nitpicky stuff for scoring, and it yeah. lost points for the fire engine alarm sound at the end for me. <laughs> <laughs> so that that dropped it down a few few points for for me, but it still ended up um, doing pretty well for our scores. It it is going to make our top five. Um, Wayne, you, you had the highest score out of all of us though. What, what I, is know, it about? I this almost, song? I, there's all, I'd almost don't remember when I love this song. It's okay. I, I, and I, and one of the things, so getting to lyrically, I, I think what I discovered this last week was all of the things he says about her are good things. She, her wisdom, her vision, she motivates him. I gotta, I gotta get away from her. She's. I don't understand what's so bad that he has to run from all because all he lists are good qualities about her. But I think right. this this is she everybody's wants the wedding ring probably from the previous song. Uh, right? Like I say, she's. I just thought that was weird. She's so she has all these wonderful qualities, but he's he. This is a terrible situation for him to be in. But I think everybody musically, and and, and even vocally, the woohoos and the come ons. They really everybody brings it. Everybody's best effort is yeah. on here. Um, and I, and like I say, Ace Fraley, that was my guy when I was a kid and, and yeah. right. He's, this is one of a big one for him. 
Yeah, this is this is high up for me. When I think of Kiss um, in the top five songs, it's it's Firehouse, and it, it's just classic Kiss. It's one of the tracks, as you mentioned, off the first album, which contained a lot of songs they still do to this day, and this is one of those songs. And uh, it, again, talking about experiencing just the audio part of the live show, Firehouse, uh, the way it plays, that those sirens and everything you hear is because Gene's about to blow fire. Yep. So the sirens are going off and the, right. the wailing's going on and you think a fire truck and out comes Gene, he blows fire. As a kid, I had no idea, not until that I saw him live. But again, it just plays into the production of the band and it's the reason it kind of holds out to the end and all these special effects. Yep, yep. All right, scores. John, what was your score? Firehouse is um, 13. All right, Wayne? Ah, uh, 14. You'd never leave her, but you know you should, even though she's so wise and so helpful. <laughs> All right. And this is my eight. All right. Nothing to lose is, is the next song. Nothing to lose. Also found on the self-titled album. So I have to ask, Wayne, you, you mentioned that all the songs are about either rock and roll or sex. I'm assuming that there's, is there some butt stuff going on in this, this song? <laughs> yeah, and that's funny. Is, there's so got to be, I right? can't believe as an eight-year-old, <laughs> as an eight and ten-year-old, I, I probably sang the song uh, to my parents' <laughs> chagrin. I never, once again, it's only one line, but I as... Know. But that's what happens over time is my score is extremely low. And it's once again, it's for this is just like this is so it's crude in in retrospect at early on. Because once again, it's got kind of a, a bluesy feel to it that a lot of the their other songs don't necessarily have as much of it. Yeah. Um, and they got and like I say, when you bring in Peter Chris, he has a much a different voice. It's own, it's it's more animated. Yeah. It's it's. Like Paul Stanley is super New York and there's a lot of New York in his lyrics, yeah. but there's something New York about the way Peter Chris talks and sings and it comes through. And so it's an interesting thing to do is to bring him in in the chorus. But 2021 Wayne, the, the father of three daughters, Wayne, when someone talks about cursing someone into anal sex until they do it, you're you're going to you just have to mark it down because really other <laughs> I, other than that, I, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, and and we're and are the lyrics correct? I mean, I we send we send our guests all the lyrics ahead of time just so that you have those on on uh, on file. And one of the lyrics is d- during the chorus of "You got nothing to lose." Yeah, shake your huh. That's the li- that's the lyric. <laughs> to be honest, I mean, this goes in with being a kid, you know, listening to this. For so long, I I don't know. That sounds good to me. Okay. Shake your All something, right. huh? All right. I think that's good. Yeah. All right, we'll go with that. <laughs> well, and like I say, Peter Chris has kind of a scat 
kind of nature to it, yes. the, way he, yeah. the way he sings Very it. So, so it's, it's something different every time. Um, it's like something you know, something you know, then something different at the end. So he it gives it, like I say, listening to it, I listened to it for 35 years before I ever caught that one line because it's all in that one line. After that, yeah. it's you. if you didn't have that one line, you wouldn't know necessarily. I mean, you would get an idea of what he was talking about, but you'd have nothing specific. And so yeah. it's just that one line, Gene. Yeah, the back door. Hashtag me too. I know. Yeah, back door, which, you know, it's used <laughs> in old blues songs, Led Zeppelin, you know, reference. I think they definitely lift from different places. But um, you talk about Peter's voice, that whiskey, raspy yeah, voice. raspy. Soulful voice, soulful voice uh, adds a lot to it. I, I love, I'm a big fan of his voice. Uh, he was mm-hmm. a real, he was the real deal vocally. Yeah. All right. This is my two. Wayne, a three. All right, John. It's a, it's higher up. I love it, and it's got cowbell in the intro. You got to have more cowbell, <laughs> man. Oh. So it's ten for me. That's true. I probably should have given him more points for for the cowbell, but um, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Next song. Come on and love me. Spoiler alert, this is going to make our top five. We all kind of like this song. Uh, this is from the album Dress to Kill. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Lyrically, again, I don't really have anything on here. Wayne, anything lyrically on this one? You gave it a higher score than John and I did. Uh, I love this song. I love. I just love the 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 pace of it. You, those other songs where you see that... that a little bit of swagger and a little bit of you know a little less a little more lovable loser like this is all bravado all swagger yeah. here he's a rock star this is off their third album so maybe he's not the biggest rock star in the world yet but he's he is he's making a living doing this uh and it it shows out i do but once again even all of that there's a little bit of a romantic there in there that lines those lines about uh you were distant now you're near i can feel your face inside the mirror i mean even though he's a rock star or a, a, a professional musician um he's still there's still a little bit of romance in uh paul stanley's lyrics he still comes up with something but big super big chorus scorching lead on this one and like say yeah. the harmonies in the chorus yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the harmony Ace, and the chorus Ace. that got got it for me. Got a higher score yeah. for me. Yeah, Ace just shines on this album. He was mm. he's a fantastic, you know, one of my guitar heroes, you know, yeah. still is to this day. Just he just shines on this album. And the outro part of this song, the sort of call answer thing that happens vocally with the lead, um, it's just it's it's just great. Yeah. All right. Uh Wayne, what's your score? Fifteen. All right, John. That's a, yeah, nine. Okay, this is 12. All right, next song, Parasite. Parasite,
I feel like the riff, the opening riff on this is the most Led Zeppelin to me on any of the songs. Yeah. Um, I Is he saying that he's the parasite or she's the parasite? Yeah, he's saying she is, which I guess at the end of the day, I wasn't a super big fan of. Um, but to me, it's it's there's less lead. We just actually, it felt like Ace Fraley was just getting warmed up and he was starting to get you know, hotter and hotter as it was going. And then it pulls off. And then there's also this thing with the vocals. Like, I think there's more people singing. And so it sounds a little bit washed out. And I don't know if that's intentional, but without one, there's no one person that really stands out. There's, it seems like they're either, they're using a mic that's not further up or whatever, but it, it does. The vocals are kind of, kind of have a hushed, washed out sound. Okay. Do do we know what the parasite is? I mean, is that an STD? What what is the parasite? <laughs> she's always be that she'll always be there trying to grab a hold. Right. It's a it's she's a girl. the parasite. Just yeah. Okay. Hanging on. Hanging on. She's gold digger. Okay. <laughs> Ace Freely wrote this song. Yeah, uh, which surprised me. Yeah, and uh, they tried to get him to sing it, to actually sing lead when they recorded the studio version of this album. He wouldn't do it. Uh, he did it finally in later years, but um, yeah, he wrote this song. This is an Ace song, so uh, yeah, there's sort of a gang vocal that's kind of going on during the performance. Gotcha. Did not know this. All right. Uh, this is my five. John, what's your score? Seven. Wayne? Uh, one. Okay. Laying the gauntlet down. All right. She is next. Second longest song on the album at six minutes fifty six seconds. We'll get to the longest in a moment. Yeah, mostly mostly that long for the long guitar solo at the end. Um, this is from Dress to Kill. You already mentioned um, Ace had the songwriting credits for the previous song. Songwriting credits for this: Gene Simmons and his former bandmate in Wicked Lester. Yeah, uh, Stephen Cornell. Am yeah. I saying that right? Yeah. Yeah. So they wrote a couple songs together. Um and uh that uh Kiss ended up reworking and, and um so yeah. This didn't score real high for us. Well, I I think it's to me a lot of it came to the over simplistic once again, there's uh not that there's a lot in a KISS song in general, but it seem it does seem like the Gene Simmons songs will uh two verses repeat the sometimes will repeat the first verse again. Um, but we just say basically the same kind of, we just kind of get the big hooks in there and say them over yeah. and over again. Um, I thought he tried to be, I thought it was overly poetic with the first line, which he right. think, which he just loves. He cut, it was from a movie apparently. I think it was from Hondo, but then the take off or close line seems <laughs> underly poetic. Uh, but musically I love it, especially for the drums. There's this very yeah. big tribal thing going on. It's super rhythmic. I like, I like, that aspect of it. Um, I heard the Wicked Lester version had like congas in it. So I, I would, yeah. I would, I, I didn't gotta hear that, that sometimes if that's yeah. around. But, um, okay. 
And I also heard, I read that Mike McCready built the guitar solo for Alive off of the solo that Ace Fraley built off of uh, Robbie Krieger's yeah. 5 to 1. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Love it. All right. Yeah. Anything else on this one, John? Yeah, I mean, it's just never really been my my most favorite Kiss song. I mean, yeah, rhythmically, it's it's very cool. Peter, they have this sort of tribal breakdown, as you mentioned. And, um, yeah, it's just it's never been one of my absolute fav- favorite songs, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. This is my four. Wayne? This is also my four. All right. John? Four. Yeah. Solid fours. All right. Now, this is where we're going to change up the record. Uh, We're going to go to record number two, side three, coming up with Watching You. So I'm just going to throw this down. This is our lowest cumulative score on the record. And and here's why I think it is. So here are my here's here's my one note that I have for this song. I wrote fog hat. <laughs> I feel like this is a fog hat. I feel like song. that would I feel like that would raise the score. Uh, to me it's to me the score go uh, it gets that opening riff is great. Um, yeah. But then it gets creepy with that first line about uh, living as you do. I'm watching you. Then it gets kind of the middle gets kind of strip clubby. And then at the end gets kind of the accused. And so I don't I don't really like where the song like I know that Gene Simmons is a is a prof- he's he's playing a part. Um, but s- some of the aspects of this song some and other songs that he sings, he, I just think he goes. Sometimes he goes places you probably you probably shouldn't. What's what's wrong with a good stalker song? I mean, you know. Well, then he's a stalker, but like I say, that last line <laughs> the about police did it well. Watching us gets very Jodie Foster okay. and the accused, and I don't. I so right. it's like, uh, yeah. he's just. But I, listen, as an eight, I was ten years old, and I would singing this song in the kitchen by helping my mom. So I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know what she thought. It's probably why we don't talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, this is amazing to analyze Kiss's lyrics. You know, it's, it's, it's something I've never done before. It definitely, I have to say just musically, it's just about how the music feels to me and, and, yeah. and, you know, and, and, um, but anyway, yeah, lyrically, there, there's just, there's never much of <laughs> anything there. <laughs> I will say this is a classic Kiss song in the sense, you know, again, there's Cowbell. You can't go wrong with Cowbell. Right. And right. Uh, But it just sonically is a great groove, and um, it, it's just it has that classic Kiss sound. Wayne, what's your score? This was my second lowest, two. Okay. Okay. John? Five. All right. This is my three. So average score of 3.33, so not... Not not our favorite. All right. Next song is 100,000 Years. Sorry, so 
initially gave me your scores, John, I'm like, wow, I'm really, I'm really shocked because this has like big drum solo. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, extended and then, drum solo. And, yes. And then you, then you changed your score on us. I corrected that error. You did. You did. Um, you can tell that I'm not a drummer because this is my lowest score. Um, drum solos for me don't translate well to live albums. Well, and also to be fair to Peter Chris, he's not he's not proficient enough drummer to carry this. He's no John Bonham, and for to go this long, some of that stuff does minutes. seem. Some of that stuff is very. Re- very remedial and repetitive. It doesn't, he's not, yeah. like I say, I've gone to, I've seen Matt Sorum with Guns N' Roses. I've seen I've, Tommy Lee and Travis Barker. I've seen guys, why their drum set was flipping around in the world. They're still doing crazy stuff that's super rhythmic and crazy. And this, there's a lot of really not complex stuff going on. So to do it for that yeah. long, it really starts to stand out when you hear it go over and over again but this song has something funky about it that as a kid this wasn't one of my favorite kiss songs this is a song that as i grew up and i kind of heard i kind of hear something funky in it that i never heard before yeah it's got a funky feel do i need to go listen to the studio version of this will that change how i feel about this song because i just felt like it was just it's a little cleaner but I, I don't think so. It's a little cleaner, but I don't think there's not a lot of difference, not a super big difference in it. No, it just doesn't have, it has a little drum break, obviously not nearly as long as the solo that's on a lot. Right. Yeah. Cause the 12 minutes felt sometimes <laughs> like a hundred thousand years for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. So this is my one Wayne. A seven. Like I say, I've grown to like the song even more when I was a kid there was something about it that never appealed to me, but as I grew, I've grown older. I do. I like the lyrics. Um, that whole idea of you know, I've been gone so long. It must have you know out on tour, yeah. probably holding yeah. around, and it must have felt like a hundred thousand years, baby. Aren't you? Aren't you glad I'm back? Yeah. All right. Yeah. John, your score. Yeah, uh, it's twelve, and obviously okay. because of the drum connection. And uh, and that was the thing about Kiss too. This this crazy band, their look and image. But what a great entrance into music, rock music anyway, as a kid. Because when you're playing along, you know, with Peter's drum solo, it's something you can grab pretty early on. And you're you know, yeah. as you're learning you know music and learning how to play drums, and it, you feel like I can do this too. Maybe I can do this, you know. And it's just a great yeah. entry level sort of drum solo. So when you get it, you feel like, okay, if I can do this, you know, um, you know, what, what's next, you know? They are to the seventies. What Weezer was to the nineties <laughs> for garage, for garage bands, because look, I, I spent, a, I spent a few years in a cover band. We had a couple Weezer songs and everybody was like, do you guys really like Weezer? And we're like, yeah. But they're really easy. Yeah. And that's the reason why we did it. That's right. So That's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, next song is Black Diamond. Out on the street for a living. Pictures of my
Also off of their self-titled album, right? So here, here's ben how knows much it I from know let about it ble- "Let It Be" by uh, the Replacements. Okay, this, <laughs> ah, this is how much yeah. I, this is how much I don't know about Kiss. So let me set the stage. It's probably what 1992. I have the Replacements "Let It Be" in my car, and their version of Black Diamond comes on, and Wayne starts laughing, and he's like. That's a Kiss song. And I'm like, no, it's not. We're listening to The Replacements. Right. And, um, you know, for the longest time, I thought it was a replacement song. Like, I didn't look at writing credits to see that this was not Paul, a Paul Westerberg song. Yeah. So that just shows you how, you know, that I was not in that Kiss wheel, wheelhouse yeah, that no. uh, Wayne yeah. has lived. I wasn't the only kid that loved Kiss, you know. <laughs> you know, they influenced a lot of, you know, Nirvana did Do You Love Me, um, you know, and yeah, The Replacements. And I think they oh, did what? a couple of Kiss songs. I think they did Black Diamond, and I want to say they did something, did another. The Melvins did albums where they had covers of like the Kiss yeah. solo. I, I mean, they influenced they, a lot of bands. When they did, Absolutely. when they when Gene Simmons tried to, because that uh, tribute album that Do You Love Me was on, uh Gene Simmons heard it and was like, "I'm, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get one together." Uh, and yeah. he, there were, he couldn't. The people were breaking down his door. I mean, artists want every. Garth Brooks is on uh, "Kiss My Ass." Uh, yeah. Lenny Kravitz. That's a great um, compilation. Every, like, I he said it. they were. He there yeah. was too many people. They couldn't let them all do. Everybody yeah. was calling up and wanted to do a cover. Like I said, Mike McCready right. says he lifted or he built the the solo for Alive by off of off of an Ace Fraley solo. So I mean, they were for guys in our age group. They yeah. were hugely influential, hugely popular. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. All right, um, this is my fifteen, and not not just because it's a replacements cover. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's a great song. Yeah, it uh, yeah. I think there's a lot of great guitar work here, especially, and on the studio version, there's an an acoustic guitar intro that, there's two acoustic guitar intros from studio songs, and it doesn't sound like he's using an acoustic guitar on live. It sounds like he's just using a different, or taking all the effects off and using like a clean electric guitar. That's right, yeah. But to me, there's this dark, gritty picture, you know, this urban decay thing that he starts, but if you listen to the song, the intro is the first verse, part of the first verse, and then the first verse is done again. He doesn't really finish painting the picture. He he has, the stuff that he does have is great. I think it's really cool. Um, and musically, once again, I think the guitar work on this one is as good as as anything. Yeah. But he doesn't finish, he doesn't, they, they, they cut it short. They never really go anywhere with it. Right, but yeah, the Urban Decay again. The New York City theme. This is another song lyrically yeah. that I just I feel like they just represent New York City sometimes, and you could tell they're a New York band. And uh, and Peter sings again. They yeah. trade off vocals. Paul yeah. does the intro, and then uh, Peter takes over. And again, great voice, soulful voice, and and I love when he sings lead. And I heard that when Pearl Jam covers this, Matt Cameron sings. 
Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. They've done it. They've covered it live, and Matt Cameron sang it. Yeah, I think Peter Chris adds something to it. Um, and I do, I think this song ends with Paul Stanley saying good night. So this was clearly, this sounds like the end of the regular show. The rest is That's on right. Tour. Right. And to this day, it was, it's the, the show finale, but you're right. I mean, before the encores, but yeah, it closes the show, the part of the show. This is my 15, John. Yeah. 15. Wayne. Oh, I only gave it a five. Disappointed. In I think they <laughs> just, he needs to spend more time with these lyrics. All right, Rock Bottom is next. to hear wayne's analysis on the lyrics well once again there's not a lot to analyze lyrically if it's weird because she's hitting rock bottom but yet he he's the one that's treated so bad like i don't i don't quite know feels like he's rock bottom but this one to me yeah so this they that's weird that they would start the encore with this um in in live it's a minute of this not acoustic but this clean uh, acoustic guitar uh, intro. Uh, I believe the one on the studio version is twice that. And yeah. what's funny is okay. their first greatest hits collection, the intro to Rock Bottom actually makes the greatest hits collection, but the rest of the song doesn't. Right. Oh. Okay. But a lot of great guitar. Um, they use Gene Moore in the chorus, which I think works, works really well. Um, but lyrically... I don't like say he's it seems like uh he built it around that rock bottom line and then he, the lyrics kind of just are there to serve that right. that punchline. Right. right. Anything on this John? Yeah, I mean the big part of this song is, is the guitar intro and and on the studio version the acoustic sort of 12 string thing or dual harmony yeah. actually it would be Ace and Paul together. And uh, yeah, I just love the dynamic of that. Uh, just how great and clean that sounds, and then boom, it just comes it comes in, hits you in the face. So, um, yeah, I like this song. It's a cool song. Uh, this is my seven, Wayne. Oh, twelve. I this is uh, this is one of my this has always been one of the songs I liked. All right. Yeah, eleven. Yeah, John. Eleven for me. Okay. All right. Uh, next song is Cold Gin. on their self-titled album and this is from what i've gathered this is a staple in their live set it is yeah and so i go so far back with this record so i'm listening to it on spotify and i'm thinking 
where is the bit about where he asks everybody if if they like the taste of alcohol? Like I had to go, I had to literally go back into my digital version of Alive and because yeah. I knew it had to be before this. And there's about two minutes, which I think they cut, they shaved a couple minutes yeah. to get they it in, do. from two CDs to one CD. Um, and so, because at first I thought, well, they're cutting it out because he's glorifying alcohol. But then there's that one section where he goes, does anybody like to get high? So I'm like, well, that's yeah. clearly not it. This was just easier to cut than that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Which was so strange because yeah. I'm, uh, as you can see behind me, I'm a big vinyl fan and I love listening to vinyl. But getting ready for the show this evening, I just, you know, it's easy sometimes to listen to Spotify. And it's funny, I'm like, yep. the whole bit's gone. The whole intro, the whole rap yeah. thing he that leads into with it. Gin. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, what's going on? That's, it is weird. Yeah, I noticed that as well because uh, it, it's on the CD. Yeah. It is. Oh, on, it is. It is on the, it is on the CD. Oh so, wow! But it, huh. for whatever reason, it's not on Spotify. I don't know if they did some self-editing because they're like. We I want to say in two thousand and six, because the seed, the original one I have is two CDs. Um, in one CD, I think it. That's what some of the part they I read they they oh, cut okay. two or three minutes out closer to the beginning of sides. Yeah, I must have an original CD then, because it is two two CDs. All right. We're splitting here. So. <laughs> but it's a great open. I say it's a great, it is a great bit though, where, I mean, because Paul Stanley is a showman and you hear him working with the crowd. He does, they, so they kept a couple of the other times when he does it in. Um, I don't know if yeah. it was 100,000 years where he goes, you know, the part where you do you believe in rock and roll and he's getting different sections of the crowd to scream and he's telling them they're not doing good enough. So he's a showman. And so, with that cut out, it did. I immediately, the nostalgia part of me was like, where is the part about the tequila and the orange, right. and orange juice? Um, this is a sadder song than it sounds like when you, if you dissect the lyrics, this is a relationship that's kept together by, by alcohol, which is yeah. no fun. But I know Ace Fraley wrote it, but I think he had Gene Simmons help him write the first verse because that's the one that gets, that's a little bit weird where the, the girl next door her lights are out. The neighbor's gone. What? I feel like Gene Simmons helped him with that part. Yeah, the lyrics were maybe intended for watching you, but he he figured yeah. maybe he could stick it. And in maybe here. he's maybe that's the landlord's wife. I don't know. Maybe he's gone. Maybe it's not as bad as it sounds. But after listening to a couple of other the Gene a couple other Gene Simmons songs, you start to feel you start to think the worst. I guess that's yeah where I ended up. All right, so so this scores high for me. This is my thirteen, Wayne. A ten, but uh, once again, this is a Stone Cold Kiss classic. It, it uh, like I say, a song I've been listening to for over forty years. All right, John. So you've got a lower score than us. Uh, yeah. So the next couple are going to be a bit controversial. I I just have never loved this song. It is a, okay. a classic Kiss song. But I just have never liked it. Even as a kid, I picked up on the alcohol thing. I thought that was a little weird. But, but I thought it was a homeless guy. I mean, I really, I didn't get, I didn't understand. I hate there gin was... too, so I don't even. Yeah, <laughs> I've always hated gin. And I, I was a vodka and guy. Pine <laughs> needles. So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't know. It, it, I just, it was never. I feel like it's a bit overrated, my opinion. I just, okay. it's just not one of my favorite songs, and it, it's definitely low, and it's. It's a two for me. Okay. All right. Next song is Rock and Roll All Night. 
it's it's rare when we have one person who is scored it as their highest and one who is scored it as their <laughs> lowest. So who, who who wants to go point and counterpoint? <laughs> who wants to go point first? Uh, I, this, ahead, is this is an <laughs> yeah. anthem. This is an anthem. And like I say, Gene finally uh, he he. There's something, uh, you know, he goes from being evil incarnate to just being a horny in the verses. But not only that, it's not the whole band singing the chorus, it's the whole place, Proud. it's the whole arena singing the chorus. When you write that, you've just cat, you just caught lightning in a bottle. You can't, this, the songs that can make everybody sing, my kids, when, when they, the song come, came on on the, on the, on classic rock radio. My kids from the back seat would sing the song. This, yeah. I, once again, this is an anthem, and you can't you. If you write one of these, you're a lucky man. How how many other songs that get played on classic rock stations do they play the live version of that song? Yeah, like they do for this one. Yeah, it's mostly the live because the studio version came out first, and it didn't really yeah. do as yeah. well. Uh, Gene said it was a turntable hit, which means it got played a lot, but it didn't sell through. It was the live version of the song that took off. Yeah, right. made it to 12. Yeah. And I, I think, so yeah. the studio version has no guitar solo. And the guitar yes. solo in this, it, to me, this is Ace. This might be Ace Frehley's best guitar solo. Like, he is channeling Chuck Berry. It gets yeah. super Chuck Berry in this. And I think if you're singing a song about rock and roll and you want the whole crowd and everybody in the world then you know what you channel the king of rock and roll yeah yeah all right and wayne on all those on all those merits you're absolutely right you're absolutely right it, this is the anthem this defines kiss and, and and they've played it on tv every time they're on national tv for the last 20 years it's just very simple for me i'm freaking burned out on this song i could do with never hearing it again i've rock and rolled all night and part of every day these days maybe but i'm just that's just what it is to me i um i, I get its history and what it means and you're absolutely right i'm just fried <laughs> no, I get it. So my other note, um, Wayne, you you know that I'm a big Toad the Wet Sprocket fan. Are they the ones that did this on the Kiss on the tribute? They did this on the Kiss My Ass, and it's completely stripped down and acoustic, yeah. and yeah, very melancholy, and and I absolutely love that version. And I heard this was they they borrowed or maybe not borrowed were inspired by come on feel the noise by slade slade was a big influence on uh, uh, yeah Gene and Paul. that's right and, i can see and, that uh, and you can't argue you can't argue with that being an anthem because 1983 they started a whole a whole well, genre of music off of that didn't yeah. the whole alive thing come from slade as well yeah yes, that was yes. the name of one of their albums yeah yeah that's yeah. right that's right yeah and they wore high heels and the whole, you know, glam rock costume type thing. So yeah, they were a huge influence on Kiss. Yeah. All right. Let's let's hear let's hear point. What's your score? Sixteen. This is I don't like I say, this song, like I say, I had five year old kids singing this in nineteen ninety five. Yeah. All right, counterpoint. <laughs> counterpoint, what's your score? It's a one. That's a one. All right, and I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm. I'm this is this is my eleven. 
right. I'm, and I'm with you, John. It it does get a lot of play. I just wish yeah. it wasn't as catchy as it is because yeah. I do. And I do fair enough. My, yeah, I find myself singing along with it. So yeah. All right. Yeah. Last but not least, we're gonna we're gonna want to uh, close this out with "Let Me Go" rock and roll. Yeah. For you listeners, you've been a dynamite audience. You deserve a round of applause. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> all right. All right. I had to throw that in for the Yeah, it's perfect. Part, it's awesome. Part of it. All right. This was released as a single from Hotter Than Hell. Yeah. Um, even though the song did not chart like it's a staple. But the lyrics, my, my notes are penned in 15 seconds. Well, and also to be, I, not to give him credit or anything to be fair, but he's, I don't think he's talking about the music genre rock and roll. I believe Gene Simmons is referencing the original meaning of rock and roll prior to it being a musical genre. Oh, sure. Um, Yeah, for sure. So, but to me at this point, I can't believe that you just played that song and now you play anything else. Like, I get it. This was early on, and they had they weren't sold on that as their end right. yet. They were. This yeah. was the song that they ended shows with up until then, or well, even yeah. to this point. And so they, it, it's not going to be much longer. But you just, I don't understand. The crowd was singing the chorus. Drop the mics, go backstage, get on the bus, drive to the next town. It, yeah, the show is over. So there's a lot. It's there's really it's it's. It's like that part at a concert where you're waiting for the house lights to come on because you can't leave because just in case somebody might, you know, something might happen, you always stand there and wait until the the house lights should be on. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love the song. It, it was a closer for this album. And, uh, and, and the added riff at the end, and Ace is just going off again. He just shines on this album. I love the performance of it. And uh, it was the closer for the time. So, yeah, I, I like this song a lot. Scores, Wayne. I'd say there's a lot of babies. He even mentions your mama. Um, I do think I <laughs> all those solos because that's the thing is I don't know if after rock and roll all night you've just you've literally just killed this crowd. I don't know that yeah. you should go five minutes. I think um, I get it. This is the song that you've been ending things with, but and I don't know if I obviously not being able to be there. I find it because there's a lot of guitar solos. They come in and out. Um, some of them have to be Paul. I gotta believe, but um, it just—I just can't believe you follow up a song like "Rock and Roll All Night" with anything. So I gave it a six. Okay. Yeah, John. Yeah, funny enough, um, I do love the song, but it, it's a six for me too. All right, and 
since it's since we're talking about Kiss, I also had to give it a six. So the, so, the, so that we could do six 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 on this one. So you mean Maiden, the Maiden yes, shirt? That's yeah, right. that's right. I just I just did the horns right there. So the metal horns. All right. Um, so did we cover everything? Did we miss anything on this? No, you guys did great. I appreciate and the bit of research and the knowledge. You guys knew what's up. And Wayne, I think similar childhoods for sure yeah. as far as what this band meant to us in the beginning, uh, you know. Yeah, did you guys have the same aunt? Uh, we may we have. Yeah, yeah okay. Right. <laughs> Distant cousins. Yeah. All right. Um any any guesses on number one? I kinda teased a few that are gonna make our top five, but here's here's our top five. Um, any guesses on one? Come on and love me. We were me. kind of all over the place. Um, come on and love me is third. Huh. So top score, got to choose. Oh. Yeah, okay. So uh, that was my top score. That was Johnny's uh, uh, third third favorite. Yeah. Uh, number two, how, how fitting is this? Deuce. Deuce. <laughs> nice. Deuce is our nice. number two. Hey. And I swear uh, that I did, did not I did not fudge the numbers at all for that. That's, that's how hilarious. it turned out. That, that. <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. And I I like those those top three. Those that's great. Yeah, come on and love me. Third and then fourth, we've got a tie. Uh, Firehouse and Black Diamond. Okay. Average score of eleven point six six. Wow. So um, just just missing out on the on the top. Uh, was rock bottom, and um, originally hotter than hell was was just missing out, but um, we reversed course on that, and John gave that a three, yeah. so that uh, that would have would have snuck out of the. I mixed up the, the numbers. Contention. And uh, rock and roll all night, average score of nine point three three, so didn't even sniff anywhere close to the top five. So. <laughs> Sorry guys. Go, I'm so sorry. No. No, it's it's all good. I'm 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 okay with that. All right, uh this has been awesome. Uh, Thank you so much so for much picking a, a, yeah, a, a thanks, kiss guys. record uh, and um allowing Wayne to relive a little bit of his youth. Oh so. man, it was, this this was great. We you know what? You should come back in a while and we should do a live too and just skip that that fourth side with all the studio albums, just do the just do the yeah. live show. <laughs> awesome, that'd be great. There you go. All right, so um, so John, tell us where where people can find all the happenings of Seether. Yeah, Seether.com. Yeah, Bicennial, which you mentioned, um, yeah, is out now. Twenty years, which is crazy to, awesome. to think, man. It's <laughs> awesome, but yeah, Seether.com. All right, perfect. As a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes. Go to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com for that. Find us on all the socials, Facebook. Just search for Records Revisited Podcast on Twitter. Check for at Podcast Records. Wayne, you're on the Instagram. Where can they find us there? Records Revisited Podcast. Don't forget to join our Patreon to get episodes a week early. If you contribute at the guest revisitor level, you could join us to uh, talk about one of your favorite records. So go to patreon.com slash records revisited podcast for all the details. Oh, one other thing, John. So we always ask, we always ask our guests, who do you know that we don't know that should come on our podcast to talk about one of their favorite records? Any 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 recommendations for us? How about how about John Five? Okay, 
John Five, Rob awesome. Zombie. Great guitar yeah. player, fellow another Kiss fan, big Kiss yeah. fan. And uh, yeah, I do another Kiss centric vinyl centric uh, podcast, and I've um, chatted with him. He's he's a great guy. Yeah, he, he would be cool. Okay. Yeah. All right, put put in the good word for us. We'll do. Absolutely. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Make sure you go to a live show or a live stream of Seether. You could do that as well. Buy a t-shirt of the band. Buy a record. Visit a record store. And not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited. And we are... Out! Out. Yeah.